0: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Writes podcast. It is a Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister, probably unlike any one we've ever done. I think this is the show some people were probably hoping for a week ago, maybe two weeks ago as the Rebels dropped two of three to the Mississippi State Bulldogs to fall to six and twelve on the season with its postseason hopes pretty much all but gone and uh, the Mike Pianco era certainly looking like it's coming to an end. We got into you know, what happened, what went wrong, and uh, really a lot more big picture stuff in this one. Um, I think the takeaway from the weekend was probably that this team just isn't good enough. Um, you know, we did the Thursday sort of, show about effort after a pretty lethargic midweek performance. I don't think this week was about that. They just simply aren't good enough to win consistent in the SEC. So we did some reflecting on the Mike Bianco era, what it might look like kind of in what seems like the final weeks and uh, where Ole Miss might go from here and also kind of the anatomy of the collapse and how this happened and why it happened and uh, a lot of different stuff in there. And then we took a look around the SEC. So, Buckle up. It's an interesting show. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox, Matrix, Interval, and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Just because March Madness is over does not mean you need to stop making money with Skybox. You've got NBA on deck. They had a uh, big week in the NBA Pushing it on over under, they had a plus-18-unit race in Skybox NASCAR, and Mark Harris and the boys at Skybox NASCAR just absolutely nailing it. I believe they picked Ross Chastain, it looked like, to win the race. Um, so that put them up 18 units. You need to go with Skybox. If you're in the sports wagering game, you're still at it. You're not winding down before football season. You definitely need to check these guys out. Their MLB package will be on the site next week. They've got the NBA playoffs rolling. You've got NASCAR, all kinds of different stuff at the site over there. You need to use Skybox. They're going to lead you to profit more consistently than your own brain. No one wants the bookie texting him Sunday night, Monday morning, asking if they can swear up. You need to be texting your bookie asking where your supplementary income is coming from. And Skybox is going to do that for you way more often than your own brain. I can promise you that. Check them out. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range, whether that's month-long, season-long. I'd recommend just going with the uh, year-long all-access pass for Skybox. It's an investment. It's going to make itself back and then some and then uh, when you go on there to the site and pick your uh, package, use the promo code Rippy R-I-P-P-E-E. You'll get 20% off any purchase. Go check them out at Skybox. They're the best in the business. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. If you're a RippyWrites subscriber, it's rippywrites.substack.com. You get a newsletter from me a couple of times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find your own favorites, all kinds of delicious cuts, sausages, fresh seafood. If he doesn't have it, Greg will get it for you because he wants to make your grilling experience great. It is full on springtime. The weather is awesome. You're going to want to be throwing stuff out on the grill outside. Throw something on the grill from LB's because it's going to taste better than anywhere else you get anything else. Check them out, LB's, University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on what – Really feels like the obit of the uh twenty twenty two Ole Miss Rebels postseason chances and uh probably the Mike Bianco era. Here we go. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent Colin Brister. Are you wearing black?
0: Uh no, I'm wearing white, actually. Uh white and, and blue sweatpants. I just got in from a little bit of baseball. So it's uh it's a it's a nice day outside. That's all I can say at least.
1: Yeah, there you go. I mean, look, at least you were coming from baseball, you enjoy. I'm not wearing black either, but it might be (laughs) prudent because it is time to write the obituary of the 2022 Ole Miss Rebels. And, you know, in all likelihood, the end of the Mike Bianco era, Ole Miss loses two of three to Mississippi State in a series that really looked like most all of their other series in SEC play, you know, barring the Tennessee debacle, really the two series that Dylan DeLucia or three series he didn't pitch in. Like, ever since they kind of found some sort of stability in the rotation, everything has looked the same. They've won three games since that Auburn series on heroic performances from Dylan DeLucia. And outside of that, it's been a whole lot of, eh, i say three games. They've won five, excuse me. But, like, this looked the exact same as the last couple of weekends, and it's just they're simply not good enough. And I think that's the takeaway from this weekend um, I would say, you know, for fans, it stinks the way it happened and who it came against. But that was my overall takeaway from the weekend. They just aren't good.
0: Yeah, since they left Auburn, they actually have won four games and Dylan Delucia won three of them. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's it's really bad. They're not good enough. You know, I said I thought this weekend was good that they played Mississippi State because we'd see if they would fight. Um, and we got that answer. And Unfortunately, you got another answer too. Yes, they're still fighting. But the issue is they're not good enough, um, and that that to me is a bigger indictment um, on on five than anything else. That that they're not. How in this year with all these veteran players um, are you not good enough to win um, baseball games? I don't know. It's uh, you know, and, and what was weird about this weekend is you look back on it, man. After Friday night. I mean, the offensive's just – look, they weren't good enough oh, – excuse me, on, on Thursday night. They weren't good enough on Friday night offensively, but the offensive statistics actually weren't bad from the weekend. Um, they just don't have the pitching. I thought Mike mismanaged some things on Friday, but it kind of feels, you know, unimportant to talk about managerial decisions at this point.
1: Yeah, it really does. Like, it, it's – it's it's it. I, I agree with you in that sense, and it just kind of – the encapsulation of this team, I could see like it was like one thing after the other, right? Like they get the heroic performance from Duluth on Thursday night in a game in which they weren't good offensively. And like you said, the rest of the weekend, the final 18 innings, the offensive numbers weren't terrible, but it was kind of, for, like, to use a word I used last week, it was kind of fraudulent in that sense. Like, yeah, they put up seven runs and six runs respectively. That's plenty to win baseball games. And, yes, the pitching wasn't good enough in the final two games as well. But, like, strictly from an offensive standpoint, it was still kind of smoke and mirrors, right? Like, they scored four of the six runs on home runs on, uh, in the Saturday game as well. I don't remember how many came in the Friday game, but, like, how many times this weekend, particularly early in that Friday game is probably the best example to use, did they have a chance to blow that game open against Preston Johnson and just couldn't do it? I mean, how many strikeouts did you see with men on base? I think there was a sequence – at some point where back-to-back times when Alderman and Elko came up in that Friday game, they had men on base, and they each struck out each time, and Ole Miss didn't score in that inning. Like, it's how many different times did that happen? And not just to single out those two. It was all across the board, but they don't move the ball. And that's kind of the shocking part about all of it. It really is feast or famine and just home run.
0: They did not score a run um, until, like, the seventh inning. Of Saturday's game that was not on a home run, that 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 is unacceptable. That you can't move the baseball um, with this offense, um, and, and it's not a philosophy. I know they don't. You know, I think Clement's a little bit more analytically approached than you know a, a lot of guys, um, but he's not telling them, "Hey, guys, we're trying to hit everything out of the park." He still believes in contact and making a, a, a guy go to the six hole and make plays. Um, guys just aren't getting it done. I mean, they there were. Uh, there was a sequence, I believe it was Friday night, where Elko and Alderman just had back-to-back horrific at-bats with guys all over the bases, and I don't know, it's it's bad, and, and you know, it kind of it's still a point where you know six and twelve in the SEC, um, as our friend AK always said, you are what your numbers say you are at this point. Um, you you know, you after eighteen games, you 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 are what they say you are and at this point. They're a, a below-average offense and a horrific pitching staff, and and that's unfortunate. Um, Because it's going to spell the. I mean, look. I think this season is they've got twelve SEC games left. I think they'll make the SEC tournament. Um, I don't. What a sentence, right? Yeah, I know. I I do think they'll make the SEC tournament. It's just wild to think Uh, about. Yeah, Um, but I don't anticipate any sort of run coming from this team at this point. It just, it's over. Um, And you know, we'll get into you know what this means for for Bianco and Ole Miss going forward, but we will say this, it, it, this does suck. Like, I get it. Some people have qualms with Mike and, and that type of thing. But it does suck that after 22 years that the guy's going to go out like this. We said it, you know, when we are talking before. It's like, how many times over 22 years have we had nothing to talk about in May? And the answer is zero. Um, and he deserves a lot of credit for that.
1: Oh, he absolutely does. It's, uh, it, it, it is weird. I mean, it is weird to have, like, we're going to have a week left in May, right? We get to the end of the month, or excuse me, in April we get to the end of the month next month and it's kind of like, uh, you know, they're out of it. Like it, it's never really happened. I think that's both an indictment on this year's team, but a credit to, you know, the program Mike built over these 22 years. I know that's not necessarily what people want to hear right now, but it is a weird place to be, um, to have, just have that be the case, you know, in late April. to where they really are just out of it. I mean, what was the other year? That, has he missed? They haven't missed Hoover since it expanded. Right. I don't think.
0: Uh no, the last time they missed Hoover was 2011. He only missed Hoover in 2011 and in 2002.
1: I gotta say, I don't remember exactly much about that season. But was it premature? Was it? Was it 2011? Was it over this? No, week?
0: no. They they played on the last day of the year a doubleheader against Arkansas. If they had won one game, they would have made Hoover and by proxy made the NCAA tournament. Um, and they lost both games. It actually happened on my birthday when I turned 18 years old. That's probably why I can't remember anything important.
1: <laughs> fair enough the sequence you're referring to by the way i just wanted to look it up in live action so they go back to back to back off of preston johnson in the friday game right to start the game you're thinking, yeah
0: oh, boy okay like can i made it on tv when uh, Elko hit it like i had this like crap eating grin i was like hey maybe they're back they were not back
1: oh damn i missed that one so i was watching uh, <laughs> uh that was mostly relegated to uh, cell phone watching i was at a bachelor trip on the mississippi gulf coast this weekend watching from a uh, steakhouse on Friday I, I was like oh, "All right, pretty solid start like you know can they if, that's the probably the worst like part about this team and kind of encapsulating I was like can they hit three or four more over the fence because like that just <laughs> reduced to like the only way I can think they could score but what you're talking about so the second inning chat leads off this uh, top of the second with the home run then you get a Harris walk a bench fly out and a Gonzalez walk so you've already gotten to Preston Johnson you've really got a chance to put right. out of the game, take control of the game, and get into State's bullpen that has had all kinds of issues early on in this game. And you go Elko strike uh elko strikeout, alderman strikeout, and then again in the fourth inning, they get Chatanyer bunts through the shift, right? And then you get a big it was, Graham. it
0: was Graham, wasn't it?
1: Um no, no, I think top of the fourth was a Shat single, at least according to this. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. he he laid down a drag. My bad. I apologize. Yeah.
1: No worries. I may have said it against the shift, but he lays down the uh, he lays down the drag bunt. Then you fly out, uh, bench single, and Gonzalez walks. So, now you've got bases loaded one out. It's four to one. And at that point in the game, you're sitting – Six, there, four, three. Yeah, th- I mean, this could be – this could be, uh, you know, seven-one right now. And, like, Ole Miss could really ca- take control, line up, and pitching pretty well for the rest of the weekend – or I say the rest of the weekend, game three, and really have an opportunity to change the conversation. Like, to grab the game by the balls and really take control of it they had two yep. opportunities in each, what I guess they would be the second and the fourth, and then you go Elko strikeout, Alderman strikeout again on a total of, I believe, seven pitches. And, look, it's hard to criticize Tim Elko, and in, in a way, Kemp Alderman, he hasn't had a bad year by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think it's an encapsulation of this team and this offense. They just can't move runners, and you got into it earlier a little bit with the, uh, with the Mike Clement. Obviously, he's not teaching them this way, but, like, I just – I have trouble wrapping my head around as to why. This is a team last year, and I, had, I know I've listed these stats on the podcast last week, and forgive me, I don't have the same notepads. I can't remember exactly what it is. I'm sure I could look it up. But, I mean, I think they led the conference in on-base percentage. I think they were like, fourth in walks. Like, this wasn't the problem last year. They still ranked third in the conference in home runs. But I saw a stat that uh, Chase had in his story, I believe, that originally came from Nick Suss. So like, 33% of the runs were off home runs at this point last year and you know entering the sunday game i believe right at 50 or 51 percent of their runs in sec well, home runs. i guess what i'm getting at to pose it into a question how does that happen from one year to another where this team just oh. so bad at moving guys over like that's the mystifying part of this team if there were you told me five different things were true and that's why they didn't reach their potential i'd have probably agreed you know would have i guess i would have understood all of them except for this offense actually being bad that was the one thing i wouldn't
0: understand yeah. And I don't know how it happened. Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, I think, you know, they have certain guys that they want to do certain things and, 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 you know, they haven't, you know, done them. Um, I think, I think if you ask Mike Clement, Tim Elko and Jacob Gonzalez are having close to the years that, that he expected, yeah. obviously Gr- Graham, you know, gets hurt and and, and misses a good pitch portion of time, but it's, it's guys like Dunhurst that's, that's not having the greatest year offensively and Chatney and, Um, can't. And and then at this point, I mean, Hayden Leatherwood's not, you know, he hits the ball out of the park on Saturday, which was good to see, but up until then, hasn't done a whole lot. Alderman, I think is probably having a new year they may have expected, but, um, you know, Justin Bench has fallen off just a little bit. He's still a really good hitter, but, um, just some guys have taken steps back and, you know, it's, it's enough guys that have taken enough steps back. This, this offense, um, outside of Graham Gonzalez, uh, Elko and, and at some points Alderman. I mean, it's it's just not um, producing enough, and you know it's unfortunate, but that's that's the reality of the situation. This offense just um, isn't good enough. Now, I think the offense is hurt a little bit because they can't pitch it at all, um, and they, they I think they press a little bit because I, I don't I don't know. I I I think it all plays into one another. It's just it's not good enough in either facet right now.
1: Yeah, it's really not. And that's kind of, kind of more and more the takeaway as I watched this weekend, early last weekend at South Carolina as well, because they were really mirror series of each other, right? Like that, that was kind of the same series playing out on back to back weekends and really just cemented kind of what this team is. Like it's the exact same thing. You get a terrific Delusia performance, you know, you have a chance to really take control of the middle game two and the series on both occasions and don't do it and then play from behind in game three and aren't good enough to overcome it late in the game. You have the same type of bullpen struggles with you know, Brandon Johnson on both weekends. Like, I think I said last week, maybe the South Carolina series kind of microcosm of this team season. I mean, this was the same series. Like if you played them side by side, you probably find some eerie similarities and that's just kind of, I guess, uh, who these guys are at this point. And that's the, that's the strange part about this year and what makes it kind of such a shocking, uh, Know, fall from grace or whatever you want to call it, fall from contention. They were the number one team in the country leaving Auburn, and now you're wondering whether they're going to make Hoover, and it's all but over at this point. But, you know, we could get into all kinds of different stuff about what happened, you know, pitching management-wise or whatever, but like like you said at the top, it kind of feels kind of feels irrelevant. Like, I thought this team's effort and to like, kind of give a damn level would be tested this weekend, and it was. But I, I, I can't just recant that because they passed it to their everlasting credit. After a lethargic Tuesday performance in the midweek game against SEMO, they tried this weekend. It just proved that this team is not good. And, you know, because Mississippi State's not very good either. Look, they're figuring some things out, and I think they'll probably end up making the NCAA tournament, and credit to them. But, like, this was was definitely a hold-up-the-mirror series because, like, you know, a good team would have won this series just as the South Carolina one, and they didn't. I'm kind of running out of ways to say this team stinks.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the reality of the situation. It's, um, they haven't quit. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, laying down and giving up. It's just, it's just over. Um, they're not good enough and, you know, barring an eight and four run. Now is there a world that go eight and four? Yeah. But like, how do you look at this team and think, Oh, they're going to go eight and four. I haven't seen them play a complete weekend yet. Um, an sec play. So, um, you know, if, if it's not over, we'll change the topic of conversation when it, you know, becomes apparent they've had a shot to make a regional. But it's, um, yeah, it's it's as simple as you put it. I mean, we're running out of way to say this team isn't very good. Where you know, five weeks ago, we thought they were one of the better teams in the country. It's, um, I don't know. It's it's unfortunate, and um, you know, it's, it's going to lead probably to I don't think probably is the right word. It's going to lead to a coaching change outside of just you know uh, an extremely uh, un unforeseen run
1: yeah you're absolutely right in that and honestly and I don't mean this is like coming at you or disagreeing with you the eight and four part yes in theory could you say like you know is it possible for them to go eight and four I guess but I kind of thought it by right before we started recording this I was like I'm actually (laughs) I'm actually gonna submit this door shut I am uh I am done saying well if they get on a run they yeah this because they're just they're just bad like this team doesn't do enough things well they don't do enough of the minute mundane parts of baseball that make, you know, kind of and a lot of times are the difference between good and bad teams to win sec series against good teams and particularly not on the well, road.
0: That's what they're going
1: to have to do. If you know they, how
0: good teams find a way to win games. Yes. This team doesn't, you know, what bad, you know, what bad teams do
1: find a way to lose.
0: Yeah. When, when Gonzalez hits that ball out of the ballpark, you just go win the game. Like you don't let state settle back in. You find a way to score a run. And Ole Miss went five up, five down after Gonzalez hits the ball out of the ballpark. Didn't even threaten. Um, bad teams five ways to lose games, and and frank, frankly, right now, Ole Miss is a bad team.
1: Yep, and it's it's probably time. And we got we've hit on this earlier when they've struggled at other parts of the year, but it's finally like I guess it, the time is now to have the conversation as to why. I'm not necessarily saying revert back into like well, why aren't they moving the ball? Why aren't they moving runners over? Why is this team having the issues that it has? Because offensive aggression aside, the pitching hasn't been good enough, and it's a shame for Dylan Delucia because there's a world, you know, if they had turned this around, he's – I hate doing the Doug Nikhazy thing, but, I mean, what more can you ask from the guy in the three SEC starts he's got? He really has done everything he can to stabilize him, and it's a shame that's rather a footnote rather than a leading storyline – but that's just what it is, and the pitching regression has played a major role in this. I can't you know, fairly say that it's the reason the offense is struggling and the offense is pressing, but you would also be ignorant and kind of unwise to not at least admit that it's played a role in it. And so that, to me, is where everything starts. Why is that the case? Because when you look at this program, it's a program that was largely, for most teams that Mike had that are good, built on... You know, one or two having two, one or two really really good frontline starters someone very good at the back end and kind of figuring everything else out in the middle I think that's kind of a you know pretty um, I would say common blueprint with the team with the scholarship situation that Ole Miss has compared to some of its uh, other foes in the southeastern conference and Ole Miss didn't have that this year it all of a sudden just got to the point where Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy left the program and they just didn't have it and you know it seems to me that the two most likely candidates to be those two guys based on you know, recruitment and what they were touted to be when they got there were Derek Diamond and Drew McDaniel. And I think that Diamond deserves a little bit of credit to not cratering and completely going in a shell and then finding a way to utilize him. But he was supposed to be a hell of a lot more than a guy that can get you one and a half times through the order on a Saturday in the SEC uh, or in a game three in the SEC, right? And like – that to me is where it starts. Do you agree, disagree? That seems to be the rub here is that they just don't have the starting pitching. And if finally, you know, after years, I would say, of decent evaluations are good, they finally missed.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, they missed. And, and they didn't develop. And, and it is what it is at this point. I think pitching development, you know, outside of the guys that were just studs, um, has, been, has been questionable uh, for a long time. Um,
1: do you think you Doug know, like, masked that? That's probably a better way to ask it. Do you think the forces behind that, the lack of development, guys not necessarily getting better? And I get Hoagland certainly got better, but just outside of him, yeah. do you think Nakase masked that a bit? Do you think that was happening, you know, as far back as 2018 or whatever, and he really just kind of put a Band-Aid on what was a much larger wound or a much more serious one in terms of program health?
0: You want to – I'm going to say this in a way that um, – that that maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface if you can if you have a computer near you tell me ron Rollison's stats in 2018 i think yeah, that they answers. weren't good yeah I, I think that will um tell you exactly what i've thought about some pitching development um over the past few years it's uh it's I, yeah, I think it's been questionable for a while. And then, no, look, that's it's not every kid. Like, so you can yell off some names at me, and I say, you know, and I'd say, yeah, that kid got better. But I just think, as a whole, um, guys just haven't uh, improved at the rate that you know you probably would have hoped they'd, they 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 uh, improved at.
1: Rollison finished the year ten and four with the three point seven zero ERA. Well,
0: wasn't in conference.
1: Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to find the in-conference ones. Oh, they'll have you that in 2018. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, he was not nearly as good. He did not have the season. Because I remember having to call – I say having to call. I remember talking to a scout or two throughout the course of that year. And it was like, hey, he's struggling a little bit. Is this like, you know, just trying to get a feel for like some draft stock stuff? And they're like, no, it's, it's fastball command and a couple other minor things. Minor he had
0: things. a 4.63 ERA and a 1.58 whip. and actually. Not great no it's not good and,
1: um and I, yeah. I would assume was probably better the year before oh Since
0: yeah he, for sure and so yeah, at, at have, a certain
1: point how does that happen
0: yeah um it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and, you know there were some nights that rollison's their gyms, um but you know there were some also some nights like that happened in south carolina where he didn't it's um i don't know it's It's just been a – I think it's been a thing for a little while that they haven't gotten the most out of some guys and and, and some guys haven't reached ceilings. And I think it's been exasperated and, you know, magnified this year with certainly McDaniel and Um,
1: As far as that, like, is concerned, obviously guess who handles the pitching? Might be Anka. That is correct. And not to do a pile-on in that sense, but do you think it's a lack of – adaptation like this is something that you would know much more about than me and I'm not trying to put you in a spot to where you're just having to like I would say for the lack of a better phrase bullshit but I'm just curious because Mike in a lot of other phases sometimes when he does adapt he gets credit for it but a lot of times he's late doing it and I just think like the way pitching is taught seems to have changed a lot over the last yeah to put a general time frame what the last decade do you think it's a lack of adaptation because look obviously we're Um. at the point of "Eh, he should hire a pitching coach well Okay, he can do that at his next gig. That's perfectly fine. I don't like the odds, but it's a stupid conversation at this point. I'm just curious if you think it's a lack of adaptation at all about whether it's his process or not having a pitching coach
0: what you think it is. I don't necessarily think um, Mike has an issue as far as adapting to what pitchers need in this modern age. I think Mike's philosophy as for what type of pitchers he brings in um, probably needed some tweaking. Look, all of all this is right-handed pitchers look the same, right? I mean, it's all dudes that are that what they hope is ninety-two to ninety-four or ninety to ninety-four with a power slider. They they have a profile for pitchers they want to sign. And That's that is what,
1: intentional, and, and, correct? Because there have some guys that didn't fit like you know, you mentioned the power slider. How many stories have you read or like I remember writing over the years? about how they're trying to get the kid a slider versus whatever he came in with? Like, that's certainly intentional to kind of fit a mold, just to add color to your point, because I think it's a great point.
0: Yeah, I, that, that's a profile they recruit to. Um, I don't think Mike could tell me he's wrong and he could provide statistics to believe it, but I, but I believe this for a while. I don't think Mike likes throwing change-ups to right-handed hitters uh, from right-handed pitchers. I don't think that's a big thing. And, um, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I think that so when you when you say has he, he struggled to adapt um, from a you know a track man and Rap Soto and that type of element. No, I I think they used that and I think they used that well. I think what he probably needed to adjust was that he probably needed to recruit at least some different types of profiles of pitchers. Um, you know, like you look at this roster, man, they've got what, two left handers that contribute. I know Jackson Kimbrell pitched yesterday, but um in games that matter, they they've pretty much used just John Gaddis and Hunter Elliott. They, they pretty much run the same type of arm at you um, on a pretty consistent basis. So if there was one element that I wish you would have changed, it would have been that. It's, it's just changing the profile of guys that they recruit and bring in.
1: Doesn't it feel like the left-handed conversation about them having lack of left-handers started around 18 as well? Somewhere in that time frame. I just remember that being kind of the case where it's like, well, they're kind of devoid of left-handed arms. Most of the time it was in the bullpen obviously because you only have three weekend starters. But maybe it went back longer than that, and I'm just having trouble remembering. But I really remember that conversation or that point uh, or subplot, whatever you want to call it, picking up during that time frame. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe it just happens, Chance. But it's just a fascinating conversation because I do think that's where it starts. Because, I mean, when was the last Ole Miss team that just kind of figured it out? Like they didn't have a true bona fide – guy or guy or two to go to as a starter and just figured it out like they they've never really had a team that it went that way you kind of knew who the guy was on Friday probably knew it was on Saturday and then they figured it out on Sunday and to say that wasn't the case this year would be a drastic understatement
0: their Friday guy they started the year with is on Sunday the Saturday guy is not in the rotation and the Sunday guy who started on on Sunday against Charleston Southern. I can't even remember at this point. It was
1: Drew McDaniel.
0: Was it Drew McDaniel? He doesn't even pitch. Um, he's a midweek starter. It's – wow.
1: And at a certain point yeah. 11.7, you can't overcome that. That's really the point here, right? When two guys were supposed yep. to be the dudes and you have to worry about what was supposed to be your future anchor of the pitching staff and Derek Diamond. You know, I mean, we're talking about it from the same point, can he get through the order a time and a half? versus Drew McDaniel just being a complete non-factor at a certain point with the scholarship situation, that's just untenable, or it's really, I say untenable, that's really, really, really difficult to work around.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing that, um, yeah, that's the thing that's always been Mike's calling card is that they got, you know, Ross, they, they got uh, value out of pretty much everyone on the roster, and this year you look up and there there are people taking up Scholarship percentages that aren't helping them really at all, and that's unfortunate. But but the thing that he's always done well, the one year that they you know needed him to do it well, it just hasn't worked out. Where they they've got guys um, that they signed to bring in and that, that that aren't just giving them very much, and it's made it for a very not good baseball team.
1: Yeah, and like the when you the, to the people that. I've had a, this question asked a couple of times. It's like, well, why didn't they do anything about it with the transfer portal? Well now all 11.7 is not created equal. Like guys who are have more heavily weighted in scholarship wise. And I don't know the exact numbers, but chase made this point about a month or so ago when we were talking for some sort of podcast, I don't exactly remember what it was, but like a lot of the 11.7 or a decent amount of it is tied up in the two guys we're talking about. And if you think about the portal aspect of it, Jack Washburn, his dad's a major leaguer. Uh, I would guess he'd probably be cool with you know I mean the the tuition not being an issue the other guy John Gaddis, deferred med school most med school kids I know pretty smart I'm guessing he's on some sort of academic scholarship we're not exactly talking about the real Harvard of the South here from that standpoint and so like they kind of did what they could but their hands were tied to try to rectify the problem with the short-term fix in the offseason because of the way the scholarships tried at a certain point. You know, Ole Miss isn't Vanderbilt. Ole Miss isn't LSU. Like, at a certain point, if you don't hit on major contributors in terms of, like, what their scholarship says they are, you're just – your hands are tied. And I felt like that was the situation. And I don't think it was necessarily – you know, knowing that was the case, it was a bad effort to try to go get a Washburn and um, getting a Gaddis and trying to figure it out that way. But it just didn't work. And that felt like kind of a last-ditch effort, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah um there were guys in the portal that that you know you, you could have really helped you but almost just didn't have really the scholarship numbers to to make it happen it's you know but it, at some point it just we're we're kind of just talking in circles because sure. like it's the team's not good enough there's a lot of different reasons why it's not good enough re- and it's not being good enough is likely to uh, bring about a, at least a decision for Keith Carter. And I, I, I frankly think the decision is a pretty simple one. Um, and that's not even necessarily my, my point of view. I just think that that decision, frankly, uh, maybe has already been made.
1: I think you're probably correct in that sense as well. And so that's probably a good segue into talking about the big picture and Mike Bianco. I don't know about you, but I got the question um, – a lot in the last couple weeks of can I ask you a question real quick yeah sure go ahead
0: would firing Mike Bianco right now be like one of the crazier things that Ole Miss has ever done like I I can't I can't understand how that makes sense there's a lot of people advocating for it I, I just don't understand how that makes sense
1: it doesn't help Ole Miss at all I've gotten the question a couple times it's like not to sound preachy or condescending if anyone out there listening to me is one of the people that has asked me that, but like, what do they gain from that? The only, the, 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 the place where that question is coming from is just, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Like this is what fans do. And it's, it's it's part of it. It, That's just angry fans kind of wanting a pound of flesh, right? They lose a game badly. They lose a midweek game that looked pretty embarrassing, right? The results aren't going their way. So, you know, by God, make an announcement today, but other than, you know, a bunch of collective people on the internet, which actually probably represents a minority of Ole Miss's fan base, being happy that they did that. Ole Miss doesn't really stand to gain anything from that. And look, you might not like Mike Bianco. You might be very disappointed in the way a lot of the post seasons have gone. You may be very disappointed in the way this year has gone. It is unquestionable and un- indisputable that he has built a very solid, consistent program. At Ole Miss, and it's a guy that's been there for 22 years, and you're just going to say, hey, he's done. Like, we're going to go interim the rest of the way or kind of herd him out in the press conference and say he's stepping down at the end of the year and kind of go through that whole charade. I just – I don't see any upside from that other than just appeasing a small faction of angry fans. There's no upside to gain from it. I think that would be – I hate using the word class and classless or whatever, but I think that would be a um, distasteful way to – you know, handle yeah. a guy that's given a lot to the university and built a really competitive program. It can be time for a change, and it's time to rip the bandaid off or whatever. But there are different ways of going about doing that, and I just don't think Ole Miss stands to gain anything by just hi- having a press conference or announcing it tomorrow that he's done. They don't gain anything from that.
0: So, so that's a, it's a couple of different realms because the first one I saw was well, they did it to AK. Well, let's be very clear, AK. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. If AK wanted to finish that season and then ha- and do whatever they were going to do after the season, they could have. It, it, is that fair to say? Yeah, and like I think AK stepped out on
1: situations and what went on behind the scenes. Like the big joke is always the PowerPoint, but generally that that type that that type of thing is what I'm talking about, sure. like along those lines, very vaguely. But I think you're right. I don't think that was um 100 Ross just saying we got to do this now. I think that was worked handed in. Hand. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just projecting. I remember being there at the time and kind of hearing different things. Yes. yes. I don't think those situations are necessarily apples to apples in terms of the premature press conference, ride it out, victory lap type. Okay. Thing.
0: So, so the second thing is um, Mike Bianco for, for all his faults, um, let's put it this way. Mike Bianco wants to finish this season. I think he would feel undercut uh, very much. So if, if, if Keith Carter came in and said, Hey, we're going to make a move right now. I don't, I don't think five would handle that very well. Um, and to his credit or, or, you know, in fairness, I don't think that would be very fair to him. Um, if you're going to set an ultimatum of, Hey, this guy's got to get to Omaha or where he's gone. Well, you know, they're not mathematically eliminated from the college world series. Do I think they're getting there? Hell no. I don't <laughs> think they're getting close to a regional, but to, to you know, if you're going to have that ultimatum, you've got to at least let the guy finish it out. Um, I don't know. I, I don't understand. And then the next thing is like, okay, you, you want to make a move? Fine. Um, good luck getting Dan McDonald to listen to you if you fire Mike Bianco in April. Um, yeah, I think that's good a good point. Yeah, good Good luck letting, you know, pissing off. Because let's be very clear. He is very, very well respected among Amongst coaches, he's coaching Team USA. For the love of God, if um, you want to piss off a lot of people, go ahead and can the guy that's you know had your program very very stable over 22 years and never done anything to embarrass the university. Uh, that would be a great way to get uh, on the bad side of a lot of lot of coaching prospects. Where right right now, I think Ole Miss is doing. You know, look, does this suck that it's ending like this? Yes, but I think. Ole Miss is getting out from a coaching uh, standpoint. I think Ole Miss bombing is probably a little bit better uh, from a who they can hire perspective rather than them going 15 and 15 and, you know, losing on Sunday in a regional and then you fire the guy. I think this is probably a little bit best case if you're going to have to fire him um, or or split ways, whatever the phrasing may be. I think this is maybe best case. um, And I, I would advise not going ahead and ruining that.
1: No, I'm with you on that. I think they're all great points, and I actually just pulled up that 2018 or whatever year it was, basketball season, just to make sure I had this right. Ole Miss fired or announced the Andy Kennedy's parting ways thing, I believe.
0: After the loss to LSU.
1: Yes, and then they did the second one
0: where – After a loss to Arkansas.
1: I think it was State, was it not? Didn't he get that? No, it
0: was – Go to start? Oh, it was – Yeah, he did go to start. Well, you're right. It was after, yes. He had the press conference after Arkansas, like he was really, really emotional. That's, that's right.
1: Yeah. So at that point when they made the original announcement, they had lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in eight attempts. So seven of eight had lost six in a row and then they lose two more. So that's, what, eight of – or, excuse me, nine of ten and then eight in a row. They were literally out of it. Like, other than them going into the SEC tournament and obviously winning five games in five days or whatever that is, uh, they, they, it was literally over at that point. I think they finished yep. five and 14 when he stepped down immediately or whatever the second press conference. I think it was like five and 12. It was over with at that point. This team mm-hmm. technically – like, I this is why I hate getting the question – even before this past weekend, nine and six, this team's not very good. Did I think they were probably going to go nine and six? No, but it wasn't completely unrealistic. And then like you said, going eight and four, do I think that's happening? Of course not. I don't think it's actually going to get close to doing that, but that's not a completely ridiculous path to getting in the NSA tournament. And then once you get there, you know, anything can happen, but I don't think it's ending that way. I've been pretty clear about that. But that's another reason where Ole Miss doesn't stand to gain anything. Why are you doing that? Look, if they were, what what's their record? Six and twelve. Yeah. If they were two and what would that be? Two and eighteen. Sixteen. Two yeah. and sixteen. Like I don't, I still don't think they should do it. But I would, no. like, I would understand the question a little bit more because you're talking about like cataclysmic uh, type of like bottoming out. And while I think that's sure. certainly possible, I guess what I'm getting at is I just don't understand why they would do it right now. Well, they don't gain
0: anything. What? Yeah, so let's was to say. Okay, let, let's just pretend for whatever reason you did it, okay, and then you name Mike Clement or Carl After. I think they named Clement the interim, okay? Um, and let's pretend that they go on a run. Let's just say they go eight and four. Okay, well, now they're in the tournament. Well, this team's not good enough to win in the tournament, even if they got there, and you're not going to hire Mike Clement at this point, I wouldn't think. Um, so you've still made an NCAA regional, uh, done nothing, in said regional, and also pissed off, you know, 75% of coaching candidates. I, you know, I, I just – And there's, just – we're
1: distasteful are distasteful for the guy that gave you a lot, too. Like, don't get that long yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And treated the guy that, you know, has made your baseball program relevant over the last 22 years like crap. Um, look, Mike Bianco wants to finish the year as Ole Miss's baseball coach, and quite frankly, after 22 years, Ole Miss owes him that.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Because even if you – I mean, even if you didn't go the intern route and you did the soft, till finish out the year, but we'll go into a action sure. thing, It would just get awkward. Like, yeah. it just I don't know. That wouldn't be a great way to go about it. And so I think – I don't think there's any rush to make an announcement. I don't –
0: No, and you don't get to – if you're Mike, you don't get to tell your guys, hey, we're going to fight to the end, but you give up. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm doing the thing where, hey, I'm going to coach to the end of this, well, you're telling – what that tells me is, if I'm a player on that team, you don't believe in us to get to Omaha. And now while I do doing a podcast has no reason to believe that team can get to the college world series, the guy that's leading the program better still believe they can get to the college world series. Otherwise, what the hell are you playing the games for?
1: Yep. You're exactly right in that sense. And add another point to that part of it is he's not, look, we've talked about what the, we've hypothesized what the, uh, the last summer's flirtation with LSU you know, could potentially do to a team in a locker room dynamic, um, you know, particularly when things aren't going well. And we've we've hit on that before. With that in mind, and I don't know exactly what's going on inside the locker room by any stretch. I'm not around there every day. But I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think he's the sole problem. I don't think they've no. tuned him out. And so, like – you know, it felt it was. I felt like in 2019 it was approaching that point, and then we, you know, we all got to write the stories about how they were having fun. And it was a change in mindset on all that. Like it wasn't like that to where they were teetering on tuning him out. They're just not very good, and so that's another aspect of it to where it doesn't make any sense. You know, if he were a huge problem and they had completely quit on him and tuned him out, okay, maybe I guess I still wouldn't do it. But just to add another point, I don't think that's the case either. So again, that's another reason
0: of why would you do it now yeah it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but look there's a lot of people that want to make a change for a long time you're 12 maybe 13 sec games from from seeing that happen unless a massive massive run and uh turnaround happens i don't think it's going to I, I just i don't get the rush to you need to do it now um see a lot of people say like i don't know if he's going to do it i i would be very very shocked outside of a run of the College World Series if, if there is not a new coach in Oxford next year. I don't I know that for a fact. I don't, but um I also don't think that you you see this loud of a uproar about wanting a coaching change from a fan base and, and and nothing, you know, nobody pays for it either.
1: I don't think uh I, I think you're right either. I would be absolutely stunned if this season continues on the trajectory it is and a change is not made. Frankly, I would be like kind of dumbfounded. I would I would find that almost impossible to believe.
0: Keep in well, mind. Let, me, let me put it like this. I mean, because people have asked me, um, because I'll be honest, I've, I've been kind of a supporter of Bianco for a long time. Do, do you – like, we've talked about, hey, th- this is going to happen if this doesn't, you know, end in Omaha. Like, do, do you think it should? Just as you and your opinion, do, do you think that, that a coaching change should happen?
1: Yes, I do. I think it's gone stale. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time yeah, for something I'm, I'm new. There. And, look, I was always – on the other camp of, uh, and look, I, it, it, for long time listeners of the podcast, uh, Mike and I are not boys. We are not, uh, <laughs> we are not <laughs> chummy. Like the imagination, I know we like to joke about it, but in all seriousness, like it was, you know, okay, working relationship. That's about it. Point being, I have no, I have no reason. Frankly, I could probably, uh, I would say. I don't want to say take a lower road. I could probably pile on if I really wanted to, but I'm not going to do that. You
0: you, you, you laughed a little bit on Black Monday in 2018. Just be honest. Yes,
1: from my Cincinnati Airbnb, I might have <laughs> laugh a little bit. Um,
0: but Point being,
1: I have no reason to cape for Mike Bianco and tote water for the guy. I think most people listening to this podcast probably know that by now and have it particularly if you have for a while. But I guess my point being was the fact that, yes, I do think it's time for a change. I think it has gone stale. I was always kind of a defender of, yeah, only one Omaha appearance and in, insert X amount of years. But, you know, listing all the super regions, all the good things he's done. Um, but at a certain point, just from that aspect of it, how <laughs> how long is too long? I mean, what uh, that was always the question I'd pose with, like, Jason, like, whenever we talk about it, just, like, kind of shooting the shit. was like um, – like, how long do you go this? Like, do, do, if he makes another super, are you back saying, "Well, I know it's only one in twenty-five years, but we feel like things are going yeah. in the corner this year." I mean, look, we were—they were literally approaching a precipice of being a good, consistent program with one Omaha appearance in a half century of his ten, or excuse me, quarter century of his tenure. Like, at a certain yeah. point, you gotta get to Omaha.
0: Yeah, and and I'll be honest, this is the first time in twenty-two years I've I've. I can't remember another time um, that I've thought, you know, it's it's time for a change. Um, I, I, I wasn't there in eighteen and nineteen, and I certainly wasn't there last year. Um, but you know, Sands a miracle run. It just kind of feels like, you know, uh, it would be it would be best for Ole Miss to, to make a move. Um, again, I, I that's I have pretty much defended the cat from uh, twenty two years, even though you know he's done a lot of things that have annoyed me from an in-game managerial standpoint and a lot of construction standpoint. Uh, I thought he, he's done a really, really good job. Frankly, you know, what's funny is I think he in 19 and in 21, I think he did two of his better coaching jobs. Absolutely. Um, and, and then this year I think he's done his worst coaching job. And unfortunately because they did not make the college world series in 19, that we 21. Um, it's likely going to cost him his job as, as the coach at Ole Miss. Um, that being said, if if Mike Bianco wants to coach next year, I've got a really good feeling he can coach next year at the Power Five level. Well, some someone will hire that guy.
1: He's not a bad baseball coach. That's what's getting no. all this, you know. It is, it, this is the way it always goes towards the end when people are tired of something and they want something different. Like I don't, again, but you you've been present for a, a, an unwarranted, I would say, butt chewing or two. I've gotten from the man. But with all that being said, like, I still don't understand, like, kind of denigrating the guy on the way out. He's done a lot of good. It can be time without trying to, like, trash the guy on the way out, too. And I'm not devolving into just, like, things that you hear, and read, and see on the internet. There just seems to be a strange level of vitriol, and I get the frustration. But, like, the guy built Ole Miss baseball. Like, look at the stadium of where it was in 2001 to where it is now. Look at where the program was. Like, he built Ole Miss baseball into what it is. I think it's time to pass the keys to a uh, to a new architect, per se, or someone to kind of finish the job or take the project to the next level, whatever stupid analogy you want to use. But I would be remiss if there wasn't some – decent. like, I don't know. If I were sitting there and thinking about the last 22 years of Old Miss baseball or whatever, there's been a lot of good in it as well. And I feel like some of that's getting lost. And maybe that will happen when it becomes a formality and, you know, Maybe it comes with time. I don't know. But I guess my point is he's done a lot of good things, so I hope the exit is graceful rather than ugly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm, I, that that uh, That is something I'm frankly interested in is is what that looks like at the end of this. Do, do they split ways, um, you know, with, with each other, you know, hiding, holding each other in high regard or is it ugly? Um, I think for old Mississippi it doesn't need to be ugly. I think, you know, you, you you need to handle it as well as you can. Um, I don't know. But it's it's gonna it's gonna be weird. I will say that. Uh when we get to February 2023 and uh somebody not named Mike Bianco is in the dugout, it it will look a little awkward. That 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 will be certain.
1: It certainly uh it certainly will. And I don't think it'll be ugly. I don't think there's really any evidence to suggest that beyond like green really angry people on a message board with that being said though I think you're hitting on something there that's really fascinating how does this go out like how does this end do they announce it like if it gets really bad and they're on the verge of not making Hoover like do you do it a little early so he can have like a whatever version of a moment you know they deem as appropriate in his final home series and all that I'm curious to see how that goes because I don't know mike bianco i would say intimately well but i feel like i have a pretty good handle on the guy's professional and like working demeanor he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to want to take kind of the victory lap on the way out and do the i mean look the extreme example of this is the ridiculous charade that coach k just went through for (laughs) an entire year (laughs) whatever truncated version of that he doesn't strike me as kind of like the chummy Uh, kind of warm and fuzzy's guy that's going to want to reflect on that. That, to me, if I'm Mike Bianco, if I'm picturing about how Mike Bianco is, uh, you know, I guess honored at some point for what he did accomplish, to me that's him coming back in five, seven years when he's out of coaching or
0: something and they –
1: I don't know. I don't think they'll be retiring. I don't think Mike
0: Bianco is going to concede. Yeah, I don't think he's going to concede his job until he's eliminated from the the SEC tournament because, by God, if you're eligible for the SEC tournament, you're eligible to win the SEC tournament. If you're eligible to win the SEC tournament, you're eligible to make the postseason. If you're in the postseason, you can make the College World Series. I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's how I think he thinks. Oh, I no,
1: I agree. I, I don't think it'll be the uh, the pulmonary thing. You know what I mean? Last no. year, like LSU was a little bit uh, was better than Ole Miss, but they kind of went on a crazy run to even make a super. I don't think it's going to no. be like that where they announce it and then they, it's like kind of his last hurrah.
0: Um. No, I, I, I think they will have to be eliminated from Hoover before uh, something like that were to happen. I don't know. It's, it's
1: going to be weird. We've talked about the bad. What do you think his legacy is? Like, wh- when you think of this in its entirety, should it end as it probably will this year? What do you think of – what do you look back and think of Mike Bianco?
0: Really, really I, – I, I think history will be kind to him. Um. Because, here, here's what I think. I think somebody else will come in here in the next in the next year and I think they'll make the college world series two times in 5 years. Um and people will let it go that he didn't make the college world series enough. Um and I think history will remember him as as the guy that brought old-miss baseball into into the modern age and, and and I think that will be good for him because I I do think um I do think whoever takes over will will we'll get to this team and this program of the College World Series rather quickly. Maybe maybe that's me being hopeful more than anything, um, but it, but I think if that does happen, that is the case. Um, I, I think that, that history will remember him as as the guy that that pretty much brought elements baseball to to what it is today and, and to uh, being relevant in a conference full of relevant SEC baseball programs.
1: Absolutely. I uh, honestly, in terms of just like my thoughts on it, I don't have a ton to add. I think it's the same thing. I think we as fans, humans, consumers, whatever category you might fall in, are really bad. Like we're all bad at like handling stuff in the moment, particularly in like this microwave like news cycle society that we live in today. We're always too dramatic, one way or another, in the moment. Sure. And so, and I think that probably is a lot of times why it takes you know a little bit longer for you know, history to remember guys fondly. You know, there's been some. I don't want to say like ugly breakups in terms of coach university or coach program or coach professional organization, but things that maybe weren't like the most friendly on the way out. And it wasn't this warm and rosy goodbye tour, but in four years, you know, they're remembered quite fondly. And I think that's probably, um, probably kind of how this goes with Mike Bianco, because I don't think, do you think this is his last coaching gig? I just, I don't have much, I don't really have any intel on this at all. But I think he <clears throat> takes one more, don't you think? I don't think Mike Bianca is a guy that will do this into like the um, 70s or anything, but I think yeah. he probably takes another gig.
0: Yeah. So, so that's interesting because, you know, I've heard him talk and he's like, I'm not going to be Wayne Graham, the former coach at Rise, the coach in his 80s. Um, but Mike's in his mid 50s, if I'm not mistaken, maybe early 50s. I don't know his exact age. Um, and, and another thing, and, you know, not to talk too much about his family life, but I'm pretty sure his daughter's a senior this year at Oxford High School. Um, so, and, and, you know, he's got, I do wonder if, if 50, I don't think it's his last coaching job, but I do wonder if he takes a year off with, um, Ben and Drew and Sam playing college baseball, just to go watch his kids play baseball some. Um, and then maybe does the the thing where he sits out a year and then goes and, uh, you know, coaches the next year, but no, if I had to guess, I, I think he, he is a head coach somewhere, uh, relatively soon
1: yeah I think so too i think I don't know if he'll like take a year off i get i have zero insight in that but i i'm with you really. fifty four maybe takes another gig does that for you know what i mean ten years would get him right to retirement so retirement age right at sixty five around there and does that i do think it's a uh, it is significant that you know he's gotten uh, obviously his oldest out um you've got what bennett about to finish Louisville. up at Louisville. you've got um
0: drew, drew at lSU
1: and then you've got uh, I' Sam at
0: Lafayette.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he, Like you said, he has one more kid in there, but you said probably about to finish up high school. Like that's, you know, I guess in terms of like a significant tie of staying around in Oxford, like I don't know, if they wanted to go somewhere else and move back closer or something like that. We're getting into a, a part of the conversation that's not really relevant. But point being, like, you know, he doesn't have kids like you know going to school in Oxford and all that anymore. And so, you know, that might make the transition a little smoother. And then I think you bring up a good point too – getting to see your kids play college baseball. That's something I've talked about before with him is I don't think he, well, I know he doesn't love this fact. I know he knows it's a part of the job, but I think he would, would kill to see to his kids go play more. I remember there was a, there was a, Mike either had like Ole Miss finished like a Saturday, Thursday, Saturday series or something, or something with a quick turnaround to where he tried to get down to one of Drew's games at LSU, like literally like the same night or something like that. And I think he probably would appreciate watching his kids play baseball more. So I think that may be part of it too. So I'll be curious to see what he does in that aspect of it, but kind of putting it back on the rails a bit and getting it back to his legacy at Ole Miss. I think you're right. I think if Ole Miss gets this hire right and
0: they bring – I think they will.
1: So I think they will too. Brings in someone competent. I think that will probably that person will probably get to the college world series more frequently. But I think Mike Bianco will be remembered that as the guy that kind of got them to the precipice of that because you know in this day and particularly in this day and age of college baseball, if you're down a scholarship advantage and don't I give, if you're working against it, you're at a non-scholarship advantage school. It's really hard to build a consistent winner, and I think that's one of the most impressive things. Look, he's got—you can point out all kinds of flaws, whatever, in this resume. But just talking about strictly the the job he's done at Ole Miss in totality, and looking at the good aspects of it, it's hard to build a really consistent winner. Um, you know, working with the normal amount of scholarships and his teams have really rarely, if almost never, sucked. And I just think he'll probably be known as the guy that built the foundation. If Ole Miss takes its baseball program to the next level, whatever that next level is, he got them to the precipice of that. And I don't think that should be discounted. And you know, to wrap up the thought, it, like the guy, hate the guy, lasting 22 years in anywhere in any type of college sports is not easy to do, particularly when your salary starts getting in the seven-figure range. And he's able to do that. A twenty two year career is a damn good career to
0: place. For Sure. Um, I don't know how you look back. Look, when this when this happens at the first of June or end of May or whenever this happens, um, you know, I don't know how you look back and and, and view his twenty two years other than, you know, look, was it a was it an over the top success? No. Um, but it, it wasn't extremely successful twenty two years that that um look at major baseball program relevant and and Baseball matters in Oxford and the Oxford community now and it, it didn't it twenty two years ago. Now is that is that all Mike? No, but it's a lot of it. Um I don't know. It's 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 gonna be interesting because I, I just it's going to be so awkward when uh Dan McDonnell or or Butch Thompson or Cliff Godwin or Josh Holiday, I'm just naming guys, um, are are in the dugout next year and, and Mike Bianco is not. If if that obviously comes to fruition. And, I feel like you know we're we're close to not having to talk in a hypothetical sense if we're not already there.
1: I'm 27 years old and have never like I can't even picture whoever else is in the dugout. To be completely honest, off the top of my head, I cannot remember who he who
0: so, Mike. Um, Pat Harrison. So you Mike. know the 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 game that you know Mike has a tie in his in his uh, record, right? I'm
1: sure, he loves that.
0: I did not know that. That he he has a tie. That was the that's my. That was my first Ole Miss baseball game. But Murray State tied I believe, five to five in 2001. Um, That was the first time I went to an Ole Miss baseball game. So, yeah, I I will not remember anyone uh, previous to him in the Ole Miss dugout for sure. How close do you
1: think they make this? Do you think this goes like nine and 21? Or do you think we're going to have to uh, no. podcast in three weeks because they're at 12 wins with one weekend? No, I
0: don't think they're at 12 wins. I think I think they're going to win one this weekend. I do. I don't think they get swept in Vietnam. Um, I think they're going to win two against Missouri. So that's, what, three? I think they win one in, in uh, Baton Rouge. And I'll give them two against a and just for fun. And I think they go to Hoover as the 11 or 12 seed and they get put out on Tuesday.
1: I think that's probably a pretty um, – yeah, that sounds exactly about right. So, what, that would have put them at 12 and 18?
0: Yeah, with no shot to make the tournament. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's where I'm at. It's, uh, I, think, I think however this ends, I think the season ends on a Tuesday in Hoover. Um, and, you know, if, maybe if they're lucky enough to win that game, to get in on the Thursday or Friday in Hoover, um, but but I I do think I, I think this season um, I'll be I'll say this I'll be shocked if this season ends anywhere other than Hoover, Alabama.
1: It we probably I'm kind of bouncing around topics here and like forgive me I, I honestly you know a lot of the times when we do this podcast I'll sit down a couple of hours before and kind of start mapping out different things I wanted to talk about from whatever series it was we just watched. I gotta say, man, I had a lot of trouble. <laughs> coming up with like how I wanted generally this show to go tonight. And I, if you've listened to the show for a while, you're probably sitting there thinking like, well, this doesn't sound like the tightest run operation in terms of like a show itinerary. It's not, but I generally have like a way I kind of wanted to go. I really struggled with it tonight because I got into some of the numbers of what happened again this weekend and some of the home run numbers and stuff like that. And I just got like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I was like, this is just kind of irrelevant. Like it, it, it feels like a big picture kind of uh kind of um, show because this really didn't this feel like the final nail in the coffin. I mean, look, we opened up the eight and four possibility, but this is the first time I was ready to come on this show and talk about this as a pretty concrete possibility. This felt like Mm -hmm. the final nail in the coffin and it's a significant nail because of who put it in there. And I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention this part in the Mike Bianco story and the Mike Bianco conversation, the last half decade, I say half decade, you could go back now seven, eight years, almost bordering on a decade. From really 2014 on, the lack of success against your in-state rival who in that time took it to the next level and won a national title, that has to factor into some of this it's like in some small way, right? Do I think Mike Bianco is getting canned because of his record against Mississippi State? No, but I don't think he got any sort of benefit of the doubt for it. How do you kind of view that in terms of how this all ended up playing um, out?
0: Unfortunate, but, you know. I've I, I always been in the camp that I've I've not tried to, and I know it's easy to say. This one almost hasn't won a series against State since 2015. I get that. Um, I've tried to not make that series more than what it is, but I understand people that do. Look, you can you can do everything you want to do as a baseball program um, and never beat Mississippi State. Um, you can do that in basketball too. Um, you can't do that really in football. So that's why I feel like that game means so much. Um, but you know, obviously it doesn't help people want to beat your in-state rival. And, and and I certainly understand that. Um, so it's, it's, I guess it's kind of hard for me to say because I don't have the emotions that that a lot of people look, do I want to beat Mississippi state? Uh, anytime all mistakes the field, absolutely. Um, and, and I'd be lying if I said, I didn't want to win that game more than, did, you know, uh, mo- most other games, but also understand like there, there, there's other, you know, season to be played after that. Um, uh, whereas that's not the case in, in sports like football. Um, but, you know, people that 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 do take that very seriously, and I'm not saying those people are wrong, I, I certainly understand the animosity. So it, it's for sure not helped them that they've not had the success uh, that they probably wanted against them.
1: Yeah, I kind of view it in the same way. Because they had uh, – in the Thursday night game, I was watching the airport and they had uh, Mike and Limonis on. I don't know if it was back-to-back innings, but Tom Hart led with the same question about, like, you know, when it was all missed out like, do you feel the la-? – that lack of success in recent years was a big storyline in the Thursday night ESPN broadcast with, uh, what it was, Kyle Peterson and Tom Hart. Yeah. And I thought Romoto made an interesting point, and he's a guy that's obviously relatively new to it. But, you know, he was like, even if you go back before I was here, like, in a lot of that time, both teams have been really good. Like, there have been a lot of really good teams in both programs have been really good. Like, of course, yeah. he admits that, you know, our guys got the better of them over the last six, seven years, whatever it is. But, like, it's not like the one program has left the, the other in the dust. And I know that sounds stupid because State just won a national title they their three straight Omaha trips, five straight Super Regions. They've absolutely had more success than Ole Miss has had in that time span. I'm not debating that. But it's not like Ole Miss is crater. It's like they had success to start oh. beating Mississippi State. And I just think that is, like, I don't know. It seems more frustrating to fans than it is actually significant long term.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good way to put it. Um... Look, when Ole Miss lost the series in 2018 to Mississippi State, um, Ole Miss was still the number four national seed. Now, it didn't pan out, obviously, the Tennessee Tech debacle, debacle happened. Uh, but I guess just my point with, with that is I've 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 tried to make myself not – and, again, it's easy, it, you know, I guess for me to say this, when almost doesn't uh, have a lot of success against them in the past seven years. But it's it's something that I, I, I think even when, when Ole Miss won a lot of these series from, you know, um, 2000, I believe it was – forward to you know 2014 they had a really good run I've, I've tried to make myself understand like hey you can do a lot of different things that are good even if you don't beat Mississippi State um, or LSU for that matter but you know it's look people that get that that, that really buy into that robbery and again I'm not saying these people stupid wrong I, I understand the, the the frustration without beating uh or yeah with, without beating Mississippi State it's uh certainly yeah, and I think you put it really well it's certainly something that has not helped him um over the past few years
1: your top three candidates for the gig, just you, you your own, like I'm, we're not talking about anything, uh, I would say, obviously not sourced at this point, but just your top three, you know, you can go any direction you want, just in your own opinion. Well,
0: okay, that's what I was just asking. You, you, are you asking my top three or what I think Keith Carter's top three will be?
1: Yours. We'll get to the second part
0: in a second. Um, well, I, I hope they're pretty much the same. I think if, you know, if I were running this and I could hire Dan McDonald, I would, I would hire Dan McDonald. Um, I don't really think I'd have uh, a second phone call unless, you know, uh, we just need to get the contracts term straight. Uh, my second call would be Butch Thompson. Um, my third call I have to think a little bit about it. I would call Heathner at Dallas Baptist. I don't think Heathner would take it. Um, and that's not a sting with Ole Miss. I think Heathner's, you know, got, got a lot of the things that he wants at Dallas Baptist and, and uh, he he's going to have to take – you know, I, I don't think he necessarily wants to take a bigger job. Um, Godwin would certainly be somebody that interested me. Um, past that, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I guess my, my first three phone calls would be uh, McDonald, Thompson, and then third one would be Godwin. And I'd really hope the first two uh, took the job. So that's an interesting
1: way to frame this because they – you know, I guess in the past, my uh the antithesis like the, the devil's advocate to, well, they should fire Mike Bianco now in years past, all the way up until I'd say probably 2021. I was kind of like, oh, okay, I could kind of hear this argument out. I get the frustration, it was you better get the hire right because you could turn into an Alabama or an Auburn pretty quick. And I know Auburn is pretty good this year and you get a competent guy in place, but I guess what I'm I'm saying is this is not a place that like everything that Mike's built up, it is not too too uh i would say ingrained the foundation
0: can collapse
1: yes it can it can come undone very quickly you said that i want to say this
0: too really quick Uh, six and twelve sucks like as a fan this is miserable i don't want to do this every year so so they better get this higher right like i get it i want to make Omaha more too but i sure as hell don't want to be six and twelve very often yeah,
1: you're exactly right. But like this can, because of just the job that Ole Miss is, like this can come undone. So they better get this hire right. And so, don't you feel like I think the first two candidates in terms of just purely guessing what Keith Carter would be do is going to do would probably be McDonald and Butch Thompson. If you made me just take a wild guess, if it gets to a third and got to a third. And look, these are no th- these things are no certainty. You remember the state search a couple years ago? The first sure. like three guys they went after it was like, you know, that was bordering on becoming kind of a uh, kind of a laughing uh, stock. Yeah, exactly. And look, they they ended up hiring a good coach, and they won a national title, and it all worked out. But like that was that was bordering on becoming a, a like kind of an issue. So these are not certainties. But point being, I think it would probably just a guess be Cliff Godwin. But isn't that kind of the the interesting part of viewing this hypothetical search that kind of feels like a certainty is if it gets to the third person, then what?
0: Yeah. And and look, Godwin is not, and it's not like as a human being, Godwin is not my cup of tea just because he bunks too much and funny, drives me insane. Um, But no, and, and that's not the reason I would, would, not with the, that I have him third. I think, you know, Dan McDonald and all the success he's had and his experience at Ole Miss and the College World Series trip, um, I think that's an easy sell to Ole Miss fans. Um, and then, you know, people ask, well, why do you have Butch over over uh, Cliff Cowell? Well, I'll tell you. I, Butch won a regional in 2018, got to a Super Regional, took a really, really good Florida team that had just won the national title to a game three. Uh, 2019, he should have hosted. He didn't host. He goes to Georgia Tech, wins another regional, goes to North Carolina, wins a super regional, and gets to the College World Series. And here's where – I'll tell you the more imp- one of the more impressive things about Butch that, I, that really made me believe in him this year, okay? They're going to be good in 2020, right? The COVID year happens. Okay, he loses a lot. Loses Tanner Burns. Loses a lot of guys. They stink in 2021. Um, but they fight, they get to the SEC tournament. Here's where Butch got me sold. They suck in 2021. He goes and fixes that roster within a year from from transfer portal stuff, some developmental stuff. They fixed that roster this year. Brian, they're 11 and seven and in second place in the SEC right now after a year that we went, they went 10 and 20. He fixed it. I think that's important. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that is important as well as, you know, obviously winning the regionals and getting to the College World Series are.
1: Well, and then what did he do the last time he got to the College World Series, did you say? They didn't host, right?
0: No, no, they didn't. They they won two road regional. That
1: is correct. Because uh, they had that one crazy game against Tech. Um, and I remember watching that game in the Atlanta regional. And then they – I believe that game to get to Omaha, they won like something ridiculous, like 20-something. To-
0: well, yeah, they, they actually scored 12 in the first inning, which seems fun.
1: Yes, that uh, that would you talk about common Ole Miss fans' nerves? Just hypothetical 2024. No, I'd
0: still I'd still be nervous.
1: <laughs> Up twelve nothing in the second, you wouldn't figure it's over. No. Okay, Same fair thing. enough. But but to, to my point is, in you know, as we go back and forth talking about the good and as, and bad aspects of uh, of Mike Bianco's tenure at Ole Miss, I think actually one of the bigger indictments is the fact that he never won a regional as a two seed and you know outside of that uh texas a&m uh regional in 2012 when they were still that was they were still in the big 12 right and then yes they never really got close i think they made it to the sunday one other time if i'm not mistaken Johns, like in a virginia regional that was one of the bigger indictments and I don't want to turn this into another conversation about, like, the mindset of the program versus, like, you know, I don't know. I looked at this team this weekend, and I was like, well, State's figuring it out, and this team is not. And you tell me which one, as currently constructed, has more talent. Um, but not to get into that, that was probably a, an underrated indictment on Mike Bianco's resume. And you've got, but, you know, a guy in Butch Thompson, if you're stumping for him, he's a guy that's proven he can do that at a place like Auburn. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to do that at Ole Miss. That may be the most thing, The what I'm most surprised about about the end of the Mike Bank era is that they never won a regional as a two seed or three seed or whatever a single time. And I don't know what to attribute that to, but I feel like that could have curried some favor for him, um, I would say, for a little bit longer. Not that it would have mattered in the end.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's another resume line that people can point to and want his and ouster. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've I've made it clear if you follow me on Twitter I'm, I'm a big Butch Thompson fan I I think he's one of the uh, better coaches in college baseball um, certainly if you know almost had their Druthers and can hire you know Dan McDonald I would certainly be fine with that I I think he's an excellent coach as well uh, but but people have I guess the reason I'm saying is people have asked me like sell me on Butch Thompson well like outside of what I just said that the guys recruited in Mississippi he was at Mississippi State for a while he's from here and and I think what I'm about to say is important. Um, I think it is important to know how to manage 11.7, and, and Butch Thompson has certainly done that at Auburn. I don't, it's not college football where you can just go hire the guy that's won a whole bunch of games at a lower level or, or, or whatever. I think you've got to have dudes in here that understand these scholarship restrictions, which is why I think Godwin, um, Butch Thompson, and Dan McDonald, all three of those have dealt with that at Ole Miss um, or Mississippi State. I, I think those three guys would, would, would handle that well. Um, now, am I saying all three of those guys will take the job? I'm not. I lean towards two of them more than likely saying yes. Um, I don't know the McDonald's situation. You may have a bigger grasp on that than me. But I don't know how if, if you're Butch Thompson. Maybe he's just happy at Auburn. I, I guess that's certainly possible. Um, but I don't know how if you're, you're a Butch Thompson or, or a Cliff Godwin, you would you would tell Ole Miss no, uh, assuming everything is handled with, with the class that it should be regarding Mike Bianco's ouster.
1: And. This is harder to do with college baseball, but I think kind of around the – like what else might open up around is is certainly interesting, and I know it's kind of a punch sign, but LSU's not coming open.
0: Florida
1: no. Not coming open. Um, I'm trying to think – South
0: Carolina probably is.
1: Yeah, probably is, but, like, I don't know. What, what's your selling point against the South Carolina job versus Ole Miss? Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Um, not really one. It's about the same, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah. I
1: agree. Um, I guess something unforeseen could happen, but like you know, not, I guess it's a year where it doesn't feel like a ton of other marquee jobs are coming open, and my knowledge gets a little more limited once you exit the SEC. But like A and M came open last year, and there felt like there were a lot more jobs open, and then LSU flirted with, uh, with, um, oh, why am I blanking on? For Sullivan. Oh Sullivan, and like that would have caused a little bit of ripple down the heck. I guess what hey, you would have seen a little bit of a call this weekend. He did. Things are not well down there. We talk about wasting some talent. Um, that doesn't seem like it's going well down there. But you're also entering a year where it doesn't feel like there's going to be a ton of jobs that have a ton of advantages over a place like Ole Miss, which I think could help them uh, a little bit as well. So I'll be fascinated to see how it's handled. I asked you who your three candidates were. Does that differ at all of what you think Keith will do? Uh
0: No. I I think first two is
1: generally the same if it got to a third I think that could be kind of uh, I think that could
0: be interesting I think the first two are I think the first two are pretty uh, automatic Then, and I don't know anything but I just I think you know I don't know how those aren't your first two Um, I'll say this you know I I do have Butch Thompson as far as you know the pecking order of me Um, not that you know my my opinion matters but um, I do have him second and and Godwin third as, as far as wants. Um, just because, man, look, if you're going to yell about, hey, we need to make the College World Series more, I don't know how you justify hiring the guy that hasn't made the College World Series over the guy that has.
1: Also true. I think that's a decent point. Um, man, I just it's hard to believe that we're sitting here talking about this. Are you ready, though? Do you know uh, who's the best baseball team in the state of Mississippi right now?
0: Uh, Southern Miss. Second would be Delta State. Fair enough. I'm kidding about the second one. But, yeah, it's Southern Miss for sure.
1: I, this is going to pop up somewhere. Someone's going to write this because baseball oh are getting all over the case. Someone is going to write the Scott Berry case, are they not?
0: Yeah, they You are. know it's going to happen. Um, yes. And, and, look, let me be very clear. Scott Berry is a very, very good baseball coach. Um, and, quite frankly, I wouldn't be upset if Ole Miss hired Scott Berry. I just don't think that I would – I think Ole Miss can do better. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but I think Ole Miss can do better than the guy that's never won a regional. Um, so that, that may sound obnoxious, but it is what it is. I don't think he would be an awful hire for sure, but, uh, he would certainly not be one of my first three to four phone calls. He's
1: also almost 60 and this is not, every- yeah. but do you think Ole Miss needs to get younger because there's actually kind of an interesting dynamic between like older and younger coaches in the SEC right now, and it depends on what line you want to put on that. But do you put any emphasis on them getting a little younger in terms of the head coach?
0: No, I put emphasis on them getting more modern. If That's that makes sense, because
1: I guess what I, damn Butch is 51. I would not have. Yeah, guessed so I was going to say yeah. So more He's been modern in Auburn there's, a minute. Talk me through what that means, because I know where you're going with this, but just for the sake of the conversation, what does that mean to you? Because I asked you a couple weeks ago, what do you think a new guy at Ole Miss would need to do? And I think you answered along the same lines, but talk me through what you mean by modern.
0: I just think uh, a bigger belief uh, in in an analytical aspect of of lineup construction and maybe uh, pitching foundations and that type of thing. Um, And, and, you know, look, I I think Mike is – uh, adapted more to the to the new age of baseball, but I I, I do think that uh, there are still some things that are there may be a little old school that I kind of wish were done differently. Um, I, I, in you know, recruiting, I think Lafferty and them do a good job, and and I think a guy like Butch Thompson or, or Dan McDonald would go, do a good job, obviously, in that. But um, I, I just kind of think that there are some things that that are within the program that um, are still a little old school, and that that I that I wish they would change. Um, it's not necessarily a massive deal. Um, look, I don't think that Ole Miss is going to probably make a change at baseball coach. Um, you know, just because they haven't had the success that they that they wanted. I don't necessarily think Mike Bianco over the last twenty two years has done a whole hell of a lot poorly. I just kind of think that it's at the point where where it's Mine's yeah, and and. So I, don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot you've got to change. I think there are some things that need to be changed, but I don't I don't think this program is is running on fumes. I guess is what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of things that are done well that the new guys should probably keep doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said. Just one more last completely random nugget that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Butch Thompson makes 570k.
0: Yeah, about like that. The place I could do better. I know a place that a
1: couple places that could. Uh, McDonald was right at a million, just for anyone out there wondering. Um, I think McDonald, if that ended up happening, it would be more of a change of heart to kind of what is believed to be what his thought process would be about the job, you know, six, seven years ago plus the AD who hired Dan McDonald at Louisville no longer being there. I think that would be kind of the case for that. I, I don't think Ole would swoop in with some kind of initial offer that's a ton over what he's making right now, where at the Butch part of it, I mean, you could double the guy's salary and be like, hey, welcome to Oxford, pal.
0: You could also – Butch would be like, I don't know Mississippi geography probably as well as I should, but you could also say, hey, buddy, you're 40 minutes from home or whatever the hell Amory is from Oxford. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a a bad thing, for sure.
1: No, I don't think it is. It's going to be uh, absolutely fascinating. We'll have more time to talk about candidates and different. Me, I,
0: I will ask this, and, and and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Does, because it's it's not really like this in any other sport, but does how far a team goes on a run limit like what Ole Miss can do? Because quite frankly. Um, you can't sit around until like the end of Omaha without a baseball coach if you're going to go recruit this summer, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. But didn't LSU kind of do that, or did Arizona go two and did.
0: Well, Arizona went two and three,
1: but that that also that that search was felt like it was bordering.
0: I can tell you this uh, Kevin O'Sullivan in 2017 was headed to South Carolina and then they just kept winning, yeah. I mean, it, that was the talk that was that he was headed there. And they just kept winning. And all of a sudden, I was like, well, we got to hire a coach, buddy.
1: What would he have left? Well, aside from – like, yeah. What,
0: what's the he appeal? Was they he they didn't. I think he was pissed they weren't investing in baseball.
1: They got, he's got a stadium now, right?
0: Yeah, he got a stadium now.
1: Okay. Uh, 20, they went to play for the national title in 17, didn't they?
0: They, did. they won it, yeah.
1: Yeah, they beat was – that that was the year they beat LSU. That's correct. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, it, it's fascinating. I do think that's an interesting point, though, right? I mean, like, um, I don't know, because if you get to it and whoever the guy you've zeroed in on is like, yeah, actually, I just made it to Omaha. Like, sorry, appreciate it. Like, then you're kind of, like, really scrambling, I guess. That is an interesting dynamic that you don't see in a lot of other sports.
0: Yeah, because I, I guess the thing is, like, the heavy recruiting time is June. You better have somebody in there um and obviously nobody's going to take their job on by your job on their season still alive
1: that is true i'm a uh, man it it's it's fascinating i am a uh, I'm still a little stunned that we're talking about this. What is this as we record this fairly late on is april twenty fourth fourth I gotta be honest man. I figured we'd have this conversation in June after. You know, then falling up short in the postseason, some way, whatever that looked like. The fact that this is happening in April is, uh, is still kind of mind blowing to me. And like the user term, I think you put out on Twitter earlier in the uh, weekend, it is a cataclysmic failure. Make you know, make no mistake about that. Yeah. This team is in this position is a cataclysmic Ta- failure. But when you talk about it in the big picture, uh, you got to factor in a lot of other stuff. So- it's not as you know, as as fire and
0: pitch porky as it feels right now. I got annoyed this weekend during the Saturday game. I don't know if you listened to it. I usually think Tom Hart does a pretty good job. But, like, in the 11th inning, he's sitting there talking about how how Mike Bianco has told him that his team needs to play better and needs to fight more. And he's like, well, can't you take some positives away from this with Gonzalez hitting the homer in time? I'm like, no. No, you can't. You can't take any positives while losing – you know, two of three for the third – the second weekend in a row after getting swept by all about. There's no positives to this. Um So, I just got kind of annoyed by by, by that kind of dialogue this weekend. That – uh, no, I'm with you
1: on that one. I wasn't paying as close attention on Saturday. I mean, I was watching the game, but I was – uh, as I keep mentioning, I was actually watching it in a golf cart for part of it, so it was kind of in and out, and the volume was going up and down, I'd say, uh, based on the music selection on each hole or whatever. But – um. That, to me, feels like a product of the, of the national, uh, national guy coming in. And Tom Hart, like you said, does a good job. I like him as an announcer. I think he does a great job, particularly sure. with college baseball. But that's probably a guy that is not as locked in as to someone who covers the program, not knowing the dire situation that is the math against this team. Because it didn't have to be that way, right? I think that's another important part of this is, like, yeah, the end result may still end up being the same. But if this team weren't one and eight at home in SEC games, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. We may be doing it in May or like you know, like I keep saying, like I said earlier, early June. But like, it didn't even losing this series to state. It didn't have to be this way right now. If they were just competent in their own ballpark, they could, I guess, for the lack of a better. keep the dream alive for a couple weeks in terms of postseason like the, the sh- I guess the shocking part about it was the precarious just simple math situation they were up against in a late April series on double decker weekend
0: yeah it's uh it's crazy it's never really thought we'd be discussing coaching candidates in April so, I'll ask you um, this
1: Were you were in Oxford this weekend right
0: No, I I went on Friday night. I had baseball on Thursday and Saturday.
1: Okay, did you know – so I didn't – I actually – one of the – first. it's how I know I'm getting older. I don't actually know – I I usually have, like, five, six friends minimum that were at Double Decker, and I I probably had. But I just, like, I didn't know it, like, in years past. The football thing seemed like a big party. It seemed like it was a lot of positive buzz. They had a lot of recruits on campus. You've got Kiffin and Jonathan Hess doing whatever the hell it was they were doing on the Double Decker stage. I was just going to pose this question to you. The final nail was put in this team's coffin for all intents and purposes this weekend. And, again, this is just a guy going off social media at this point. But, like, it didn't feel like it dampened the weekend at all. And, look, I get the whole never lose the party aspect of it. But I was shocked at the, I don't know, lack of weight losing a series to your arch rival on Double Decker weekend um, you know, to really kind of end your season in an era had on like the overall, like, I guess, vibe of the town, if that makes any sense at all. Now I'm kind of getting off into a place that's hard to quantify. But like, you see what I'm getting at? Like, it almost felt like it was accepted that this was going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to put it. I, I, well, I think people had probably given up on this baseball team before. That's what weekend. I'm getting. Yeah. at,
1: basically, I think yeah. people were resigned to that before this weekend. Like we kept calling this a last stand. It felt like, from the eyes of most people in the fan base, that it didn't really feel like a last stand. It just felt like, I don't know, almost a formality.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good way to put it. People would, I mean, I've told people this week that asked me about the series, like they would be like, "How you feel?" I don't know how you pick almost to win this series. Um, So you know, it just and 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 I'm probably one of the more optimistic Ole Miss baseball fans, and I and I had no way that I could pick this team to win this series. So yeah, I I think people have just pretty much given up, and if they haven't, uh, they certainly have after this weekend because I'm in that camp.
1: Yeah, I honestly totally forgot they're having to play again on Tuesday because it honestly just
0: doesn't feel like it matters. So uh, this that I know that like it's irrelevant to the conversation. That's also stupid. That, That doesn't need to happen again.
1: Yeah, that is that that does seem dumb. So like, they they have this big series that's like like supposed to be kind of like the, I guess the climax, and then it's like not like you just go play again. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. I will say this though, just to add like a big picture note to it. Um, not I'm not we're not going to sit here and go, uh go through a bunch of spring game takes. But man, the fact that Lane Kiffin's got the program relevant, the branding on point, in a relevant nationally ranked college football program is uh kind of make it up for basketball and baseball being in a really, really bad way. I mean, what if old Miss is a six-and-six program under – I don't mean to pick on Matt Luke, but, like, what if this was the – what if this was happening during the Matt Luke era? It'd be pretty bleak. Oh,
0: God. Oh, God. Um, would not be great. Um, yeah, because it's been miserable since, frankly, they walked off the field from a results standpoint. Since they walked off Scott Field on Thanksgiving Day, it's not been great from an almost athletic department standpoint as far as winning and losing games go.
1: No, it has not. Um, and I don't know, do you have any spring game takes? It sounds like, well, uh, Altmaier uh, is making quite the push.
0: Luke Altmaier has had a very, very good spring. Very good spring. I, I Look, I'll say this. I'm not, the, I'm not the guy that follows spring football religiously, I'll be honest. I think people gave up on him when they signed Jackson Dart. And I think that was a very, very foolish decision. Um, I don't know who's going to win that quarterback competition, but I do know one person that's not going to, well, I mean, I know two, but I know uh, Luke Altmar is not going to just concede uh, this quarterback competition because they brought somebody in to compete with him.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's a great way to put it. And like at the end of the day, if you just made me go with my gut, and I, I could be wrong. I've, very little confidence, particularly after the spring and reading some of Neil and Chase's coverage, that this has ended up correct. If it's, like, close and, like, fairly even, like, did they bring Jackson Dart in here to sit? I guess the devil's advocate to that would be, well, where is he going to go? He's already used his one free pass, right? But I guess what I was going to say was this is not a 2015 Chad Kelly, Ryan Buchanan, and I guess oh. the Devonte Kincaid situation, like type situation, in there, like Glue Altmaier – and not that look Buchanan well, oddly enough, one of my closer like childhood friends, uh, like he wasn't a low-rated recruit, by any means, but Glue like, Altmaier was a really, really good high school quarterback that was a big signing for Ole Miss at the time. And I'm, again, I'm not saying Buchanan the preparatory over there wasn't, but that one felt different in the fact that like if you can just get Chad Kelly's head on straight, the guy's a you know freakishly dynamic quarterback and it felt like a gigantic, I don't know, upside abilities mismatch in some senses to where this does not feel like that at all. I mean, no, uh, Jackson Dart doesn't turn 19 until May.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think just throwing uh, Luke Almar's chances of winning this job away are, are, are kind of wild. Uh, I've never asked you this. Did Rob Buchanan know when they brought Chad Kelly in that, that he was in trouble? I don't think I've ever asked you that as far as being the starting quarterback. No, so from
1: the conversations I've had with him, and I did a story on it at the time when he decided to hang it up and uh, just be a student. Um, Actually, he he decided that he was going to walk away from playing football, and then I went on a spring break trip with Buchanan, uh, like two weeks after the decision. And uh, to say we all had a large time would be an understatement. You know, (laughs) football players don't actually get to do the spring break thing as normal college people do but no I don't think he thought about it that way and look it sounds silly now looking back on it but if you read the press clippings at the time Chad Kelly was probably always winning that job but Buchanan gave the kid a pretty good fight I mean there were columns written yeah. that you know don't let you know just give Ryan Buchanan the keys to the Ferrari he won't cash it that crash it that type of thing and so I legitimately believe until about the first week of the season or, like, you know, whatever, the last week of camp or so. He believed he really had a shot at it. I don't think he was misguided in that belief. And so I don't think he looked at it from the standpoint of, oh, man, I'm in trouble here. He just looked at it as another obstacle to try to overcome
0: and, you know, gave it a good effort. Wasn't there a a really good story about um, when, like, Freeze said they were going to try to get Buchanan back and Freeze actually wasn't kidding about that in 2016?
1: Yes, it was 16. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, don't, like, think I don't think Freeze was – I think people thought he was joking. I don't think he was.
1: No, no, he, I remember sitting in that press conference. He was not – he gave it that little all oh, shucks is just me smile. <laughs> I don't think Buchanan would mind me sharing this. I think he – I texted him that night after it happened, and I was like, you know, what's the, what's the cigarette count? Like, can you get back in shape pretty quickly? <laughs> just kind of screw with him. And I think he, like, called me on that Monday and was like, I can't, what's the deal with this guy? Like, why am I having like, getting texts from people asking me if I'm coming back? And I was like, well, Buchanan, I don't think, like, I think he was halfway serious. <laughs> I don't think it was a joke. And he was like, I'm not coming back. And I was like, can I report that? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, good talking to you, pal.
0: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> I think Buchanan for about 36 hours was really confused as why his name was in the news cycle again.
0: He didn't watch the u press conference
1: that day. I don't think he did. I think he was having a good time as like a normal college student. I think he was a little confused as to uh, how this uh, this rumor gained legs. And I was like, buddy, it wasn't a rumor. Like he stated it in a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that went down.
0: My favorite part of that week was pretending that uh, Jacob Pellerin was going to play quarterback in Texas A&M.
1: Oh, man, talk about a naive student reporter. That was my senior year. And I had gone to every road trip. That team was in a bad way. And, you know, first and last time I'll ever believe Hugh Freeze on the surface. He claimed he was starting Pellerin. So, I was like – and we didn't have enough money in the budget to go to uh, to fly to Fair competition enough. because we'd done the uh, Orlando trip or whatever. And so, I was, she was like, you can drive out there, you know. And I was like, nah, he's starting Pellerin. And guess who suited up that night? Talk about <laughs> – talking. <laughs> I hadn't gained my full set of skepticism wings as far as being a reporter yet. I will never forget that moment. I was like, I trust no one ever again. (laughs) uh,
0: They did it the whole week that uh, they were going to play him. And I remember him vividly saying, Evan Ingram has played some quarterback before. I should have known at that moment who was playing quarterback.
1: Dear God, that
0: was (laughs) – I'll never forget. Evan Ingram played it in high school.
1: I'll never forget him coming in after that. To Chase's credit, he had a lot of bad in his career at Ole Miss, but that was a wild performance he put on at A&M yeah. that night. And I'll never forget Freeze coming in on the Monday. So we used to talk to quarterbacks on Monday. That was when, like, Chad Kelly would come in in a tan suit in the middle of October. But uh, credit to him for, I guess, wanting to dress to the occasion. We talked to – uh Patterson that next Monday. And that was a big deal because freshmen didn't really talk to the media. That was the last year, I believe, we got quarterbacks on Monday. But Freeze came in right before Shea came in and was like trying to get us, to, like, he was like, hey, don't ask him about Johnny Manziel and things like that. And I was like, hey, buddy, like, we don't tell you how to do your job. Like, how about you get out of here? Like, he, he was trying to dictate like, <laughs> how the press conference is going to go. And even me at like 21 years old, I was like, this isn't normal. Something's up with this guy. And uh, that's how I kind of figured out Hugh Freeze. Maybe not the straightest shooter of all time. Straightest shooter of
0: all time.
1: <laughs> I learned a lot in the first year and a half as a reporter, and Hugh Freeze inadvertently taught me a lot. So there is that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a look around the SEC before we get out of here, just for exercise sake. Florida swept by Kentucky. The Vols are 17. No, not,
0: not by – I was going to say, yeah, not by Kentucky. Oh,
1: excuse me, Tennis, Tennessee. Good God. I don't know I, I had Kentucky up on the screen here. Vols swept by Tennessee. Um, I think we called this. I think we thought they'd be 17 and one. This is the greatest start ever. Um good for good for them. I'm. Um, we'll be curious to see when they get into postseason play, particularly a super Regional, just how far ahead it is or if they're preying on an SEC that doesn't really have another great team, if that makes sense. I don't mean that it's counted at all. I'm just curious to see what that looks like against another elite team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is gonna be interesting. Um uh, we'll see. I, I think I think they're the best team in the country, but um doesn't okay. necessarily mean you're gonna win the college world series. No,
1: for sure. My like that's a great way to put it. I I'm probably sitting there thinking like by how much? I think they're the best team in the country, but like how is it really that yeah. far of a gap to where it kind of looked that way against Ole Miss and uh, Right. and uh, a couple of the other te- teams that um early in the year. Um let's see. Auburn goes sweeps. Sweeps. Who did they sweep? I now have Swept
0: to- Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina.
1: South Carolina. Um do you know what Carolina did with the week before?
0: Nope. Nope. can't recall.
1: Me neither. Uh, that probably is all you need to. That's another just uh, <laughs> anecdotal note that this team may not be very good. Auburn eleven and seven. Credit to Butch. We kind of hit on that earlier, but uh, they'll probably host. I mean, they're in great position. Yeah.
0: too. yeah. They they got to go to Tennessee this weekend. So eleven and ten.
1: LSU classic get right weekend against Missouri. Look, they they the. the Missouri is a scrappy 5 and 13, but at the end of the day I guess they are 5 and 13. I mean they're not as bad as I thought. I guess we had such low expectations. I'm not sure how good LSU is, but hey, they're 10 and 8 with 12 games left and everything still in front of them.
0: Yep. It's a really good way to put it. They uh they have played themselves into the a position to do whatever they want to do.
1: Mississippi State probably back ending their way into a regional.
0: Uh is still not good and you've got Tennessee on the schedule. They've got a shot, uh, for sure. What are they at? Nine wins. Uh, probably need to get uh five to feel good. Yeah, I think they probably get in. Uh they, they gotta there, get that they, RPI down though.
1: What are they? Are they eight and ten?
0: Uh it'd be nine and nine, wouldn't they? No, they would that that's right. They are eight and ten. So they need to go six and six. Um kind of stinks that for them they end with Tennessee though. Um so that is tough. They still they, – Yeah, they still got A&M left on the schedule. Uh, They got to go to Missouri. Um, I'm not sure what else they have. But, yeah, um, tough – tough. oh, ooh, they got Florida. So, uh, they end at Missouri at home against Florida at A&M and then at home against Tennessee, and they're going to have to go six and six. I think they can do it, um, but but they don't have a a whole lot of room for error with that RPI situation.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. Georgia goes to Alabama and takes two. Feels like a missed opportunity for Alabama. They're probably okay as far as you know, still being a pretty solid NCAA
0: tournament sure. team. But uh, Georgia uh, feels
1: like they righted the ship a little bit.
0: Yeah, and Cannon's back. He had a really good performance. So yeah, jo- Georgia's totally fine.
1: That is certainly one to uh, keep an eye on. Um, I what what did Kentucky do? Did Vanderbilt sweep them?
0: They lost two. No, they lost. Uh, Kentucky won a game.
1: They're kind of, in a lot of ways, a mirror image of Ole Miss. They're good enough to win a game. Pretty much. Not good enough to win. Series Vanderbilt, nine and nine. Probably just an average Vanderbilt team. Do you think they go on a road for a regional, probably?
0: I don't. Oh, uh, do I, I thought you meant do they go on a run. Uh, yes, I think they go on the road for regional and don't get out of it. I don't think Vanderbilt's very good.
1: I don't think they are either. Um, who did I miss? What
0: did A&M do? Uh, they won two or three at home against Arkansas. big series win for them.
1: That felt like a big series win for them. So, what are they at now?
0: No, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I'm
1: just I'm, this was the most disconnected weekend I've had. I'm about to look it up. Uh, they are
0: wow, They are ten and eight in the league.
1: A and M. Yes. Okay, you could have given me five guesses, and I would have maybe gotten to nine and nine. Okay, uh, so they're they're ten it. and eight. Yeah. Um, good for them. That's uh everyone. I think I don't think we missed any. So um yeah, there we go. This has been Colin Brister. I appreciate the time as always. What a What a wild place we're in doing this podcast. We will check in with you, uh, obviously, again throughout the year. I don't think we're going to continue doing two shows a week with the place this team is in, but we'll come in and talk some picture stuff. Um, I've enjoyed it. This is weird. Like, I I guess we were lucky the last three years. You and I have been doing some version of this podcast since 2019, basically. And, like, Ole Miss has been competitive in a game away from Omaha in pretty much all of those years. And it's weird to have, like, covering a bottoming out team to where, like, April 30th or whatever, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, maybe we'll check in for a minute. It's a it's a strange place to be for sure, is it not?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it'll be – tell you what it'll be really weird is um, – and they've done this before in 2017, but it'll be really weird on regional weekend when there's not a team to watch, you know? That's when it'll – and there's a whole lot of other teams to watch. It'll be kind of weird then.
1: It, uh, it absolutely will. I appreciate the time, my friend. We will check in with you soon. <laughs> For now, that I guess will be TBA, but we'll, uh, we'll watch you soon.
0: All right. Sounds good, my man.
1: All right. That's our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you making us a part of your day. Um, we'll be back at it in the midweek with uh, something. Probably do some spring football. Maybe get old Weldon Rodenberg, little soccer corner going. As well, and then uh, as far as the show goes, we're going to play it by year. I know the last couple iterations of this spring version of the podcast over the last, or I should say, the podcast over the last couple years in the spring has been you know pretty tied to baseball, and I've enjoyed doing it with Colin. But uh, I don't think that's the content the people want uh, with the Rebels sitting at uh, six and twelve in the SEC. I don't think uh, most of the audience would probably want us uh, you know projecting their chances against Arkansas's right-handers and what have you. So we'll be checking in throughout. Uh, with some big picture stuff as it pertains to baseball. I guess if they go on some insane run, we'll kind of get back into more normal schedule, but it'll be a little bit different. I've got some different guests and interviews lined up. Definitely uh, to try to keep the people entertained, but uh, maybe look look a little different than it has in years past. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably have Weldon or someone on midweek do, uh, do some spring football recap and then, uh, roll from there. Bring back Mailbag Friday. How about that? Everybody have a great start to your week. We'll catch you on Wednesday.